Hey, I'm Natalie Abbott. And I'm Vera Schmitz. We are sisters who host the Dwell Differently podcast. We help you memorize and meditate on one Bible verse every month. And all month long on our podcast, we talk about what that verse means, why it matters, and how we can apply that verse to our daily lives. Hey, welcome back to the Dwell Differently podcast. I'm Natalie Abbott, and I'm your host, and it's the first of the month. So that means this is a teaching episode. It's that time of the month when we talk about what our verse means in the context of the whole of scripture. How does it fit in? What does it say about who God is? What is it saying about who we are? We really need to understand what a verse means so that when we're meditating on it and memorizing it, then we can rightly apply it to our lives. And you know what? Honestly, the verse that we're learning today is a verse that I had it wrong. I thought it meant one thing. And then when I went into study this and read commentaries and look more about it, I was like, oh, huh, I didn't get that right. And I'm wondering if maybe you're the same. It is somewhat of a familiar verse. So if you've heard it before, you might be like, oh yeah, I think I know what that means. And who knows? We'll find out. Do you know what it means? Um, well, our verse is from John 10, 10, and it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. These are the words of Jesus, and they are a beautiful promise. But that first part of the verse, it's a little aggressive. I'm not going to lie. And I would have told you that the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy was Satan, right? Because you, you've got this juxtaposition between, you know, Jesus giving life and life to the full. And then, of course, the opposite of that is Satan, who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. However, in the context of this verse, Jesus is not talking about Satan. So for those of you who thought it was Satan, that was me too. It's okay. Let's look at it in its context so that we can see and understand who Jesus is really talking about when he's talking about the thief. Okay, so in its context, it's uh, John 10. If you go back a chapter to John 9, Jesus has just healed a man who was born blind. And it's the most incredible thing. It's wondrous. It's beautiful. And the Pharisees are like, yeah. No. And so they bring in the man and they interrogate him and they don't believe him. And then they bring in his parents and they interrogate them and they don't believe them. And then they interrogate the man a little bit more. And finally, they don't believe him and they kick him out of the synagogue because they're like, we don't believe you. You're making this up. Well, then what happens is Jesus runs into this guy again, intentionally, of course, and he ends up just worshiping Jesus and falling on his face and just like, wow, it is this beautiful picture. And in the midst of that, there are these Pharisees who would claim to know something. But Jesus says, you know, that you claim to see, but because you claim to see, you're actually blind. And it would be better if you were blind, like this man was literally physically blind. Because then you wouldn't claim to know and it wouldn't count against you. But because you're prideful and in your pride, you say that you know, you really don't know. You are actually blind. And so then he tells this story. It's a metaphor about a shepherd and sheep. And in the story, 
he's talking specifically to the Pharisees and he's trying to help them see whether or not they are actually good at doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. So they are supposed to be, like if you look in the Old Testament, the leaders, the religious leaders are supposed to be the shepherds of God's sheep. However, they are not doing a very good job. And so this story is told to illustrate how, in fact, they are not good shepherds. They are more like thieves. So that is the thief in our verse. The Pharisees are the thief. So let me read a little bit of this passage to you so you can see what I'm talking about. So if you go to John 10, 1, I'll just read it to you because you, you're probably driving in your car right now and you're like, I can't open up my phone and read that. So I'm going to read it to you. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, this is Jesus talking, anyone who does not enter the sheep, sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech. This is what John says, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So he's already starting to call them a thief, somebody who goes in not by the gate, and that he is clearly the right shepherd, the owner of the sheep, the one the sheep know and follow. So he, he expands on this. So therefore, Jesus says again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Then we get our verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So you see the thief is this person who enters by a way other than the gate. And Jesus very clearly says, I am the gate. I am the, the, the safe, right place. I am the the way of salvation. Um, it, it says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So if you enter another way, i.e. if you're a thief and you go around, then you haven't entered through the gate. You are not saved and you are trying to steal that which is not yours. Then Jesus goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man is not a shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. So you have this other, these other two characters introduced here. The hired hand, who essentially is like a mercenary. And you think he's a good guy because... You know, he's being paid to take care of the sheep, but essentially he just cares about the money. And I think we all have had experiences with people who maybe seem like they would be somebody who's going to take care of and protect the sheep. But in fact, they really have false motives and just like the thieves, they're selfish in their motivations and they just care about, in this case, the money. Then you have the wolf who attacks the sheep and he eats the sheep and he scatters the flock. 
So you've got one other kind of enemy of the sheep. So in this whole passage, you really have three bad guys. You have a thief, you have a hired hand, and you have a wolf, all of which are there to exploit or eat or gain selfishly from the sheep. But you have, in contrast, the good shepherd. So in verse 14, Jesus goes on and says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I have known the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He goes on to say, the reason the father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And then at the end, you get all of this confusion from the Jews who are like, hey, maybe this guy has a demon. No, if he had a demon, how could he heal this guy? And so there's all this confusion and disagreement amongst the Jews because the reality is they don't like what Jesus is saying. They don't like what he's saying about them specifically. But the contrasting thing that he's saying and the thing that we, we want to focus on in the second half of this little episode, this teaching episode, is that Jesus is the good shepherd, that Jesus promises that he is going to lay down his life for his sheep and take it up again, which is like, what? At the time, they don't understand, I'm sure, what exactly he's talking about. But he is talking about how he cares for his sheep. And if you look back in Ezekiel 34, which is a great place to find further references to this, back in the Old Testament, Ezekiel promises that there's going to be this shepherd who comes. And the shepherd who comes is God himself. And it is this beautiful picture that he is the one who is going to care for them. He is going to bind up their wounds. He seeks them out when they are lost, that no longer will they, they uh, be the victims of famine and bear scorn, that animals won't, won't devour them anymore, that they'll live in safety. And at the end of that chapter of Ezekiel chapter 34, God says this, you are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture. I am your God declares the sovereign Lord. And so it's this beautiful picture that God is going to send a shepherd. And in, in verse 23, he says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, i.e. the Messiah, someone in the line of David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So it's this beautiful prophecy that even though the shepherds that you've had have failed you, that I am sending you one good shepherd. And so when Jesus says these things to the Pharisees, they know what claim he is making. When he says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying, I am the Messiah. And interestingly enough, this promise that Jesus makes in the second half of our verse, that he's going to give us life, give us life that is abundant and full. It's because he can give us that life because he lays down his life for his sheep, because he takes care of our problems, essentially. He's taking care of those things that threaten to devour us, those things that have consumed us, those things that are horrible for us that we don't know how to escape, right? 
Instead, he lays down his life. He gives up what is rightfully his in order to save his sheep. And not only does he do it, but he does it willingly. He says, I do it of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it back up again. So this idea that he would rise from the grave, that he would have authority to live again and conquer death is a claim that he is God, that only God is powerful enough to do that. And then he says, this command is a command I received from my father. Like I'm going to do this because this is the plan of God the Father, to rescue his sheep from those who would steal, kill, and destroy, from those mercenaries who are just out to make money off of them, from those wolves who are out to ravage them. No, this is a good shepherd whose intent is for the good of his sheep. And that is what Jesus is saying here. And when we believe in him, unlike the Pharisees who didn't believe in him and didn't believe in his miracles. If we are like that blind man who says, I now have received sight, not just physical sight, but spiritual sight, and we fall at the feet of Jesus and we worship him, then we receive this life that Jesus has promised in this verse, this abundant and beautiful life, and it is wonderful. So I would just encourage you as you think about this verse to think about what are some of the thieves in my life? What are things people even who I'm following or listening to who are not out for my good, who are taking from me, who are stealing from me, who are ultimately destroying me. And some of those things can seem like good things and they're they're not. Just like if you look at the hired hand, he seems like a good thing, but in fact, he's not. He's there to profit and to gain from the sheep. So we have to be smart. Like, who are we listening to? Who are we entrusting ourselves to? And that's one thing that we can think about with this verse, but also just thinking about this, this contrast, you know, that we have these two things laid out before us. Are we going to entrust ourselves and believe in those things that are taking from us? Or are we going to entrust ourselves and believe in Jesus, the good shepherd who has laid down his life for us and who promises us life and abundant life. And so that would be my challenge for you. There may be small things in your life that maybe you're feeling a little conviction about little pinpricks of like, oh yeah, I probably do this, or I probably listen too much to that. And, and those are things that we, as we memorize and meditate this month, that hopefully God will convict you and convict me of those, those areas where we're not experiencing abundant life because we're giving ourselves over to, to the things that are, that are thieving and taking from us. So I hope that this, this message has helped you understand better this verse. And I really, really enjoy memorizing it with all of you. And I would encourage any of you who don't know, uh, we have a Facebook group and I have just been so encouraged by our Facebook group. I get on there every few days and just check in with people and it is really beautiful to hear what people are learning and discovering in the verse and how they're applying it to their lives and ways that it's just, it's just amazing to hear what God is doing in the lives of his people. And so I would encourage you, it's the Dwell Differently Facebook official group. Um, go over there and check it out. And thanks for joining me. We'll be back again next week. And we look forward to, to talking with you then.
Thanks for listening, friends. I have a little public service announcement for you. If you have never been to our website, dwelldifferently.com, you should go over there because we have all kinds of devotional resources there for you. We would just love for you to visit over there. We have year upon year upon year of verses that we have been memorizing. Every month we memorize one new verse. And every month we post at least four devotionals on that verse. So if you're thinking, I'd like to memorize a couple more verses or another verse every month, then that's a great way to do it. So go on over to dwelldifferently.com and check out all of our old resource content. Just go to the devotional page and you can find all kinds of stuff there. It's free and we just would love to help you connect with God in that way. 